Now we're back. You want to just cold? Yeah. Cold go in. Welcome back to Pitching Ain't Easy. Now. What's up, Mikey? Okay, I'm stopping. Three, two. We're. Let me try that again. Welcome back to Presentation Thinking, aka Pitching Ain't Easy. Guess what, Molly? We are about to turn seven years old at Ghost Ranch Communications. We're technically founded, established August 2nd, 2015. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we're coming up on like a seventh birthday party. It's a huge milestone. I know. I have a seven-year-old daughter at home as well, about to be seven, because they were pretty much born at the same time. And she's missing her tooth front teeth. So I, right now I see Ghost Ranch in that phase. You know, we're about to like, we're about to lose a couple more teeth, but we're probably, we're lisping really hard. Like we've got this gap, but we're about to get adult teeth. And that's kind of cool. Yeah. And I mean, can you confirm or deny we're moving past maybe the wily coyote toddler phase? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're getting serious. We're, we're into like <laughs> books, you know, like right. we could probably take on one or two of those ourselves if we wanted. Uh, a little, little headspace, yeah. some Pinkalicious. Yeah. yeah. Instead of Moana and Frozen, she's definitely watching like Pulp Fiction now, right? Like, in Not quite Pulp it. Fiction, but de- Descendants, okay. you know? One, two, and yeah. three. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And but that's you know what Ghost Ranch is doing too. Yeah. I yeah. mean, Ghost Ranch is there too. You know, if you don't know who that, what the heck Ghost Ranch is, it's a presentation design agency. We're a team of specialists who help executives and business leaders and marketers and salespeople better equip themselves with world-class presentations and sales enabling materials, that kind of thing. And we've been at it for a while. And when we first started... Mm-hmm. You know, these marketers would send us amazing content, amazing skeleton decks, and they'd say, hey, can you can you do this, that, and the other thing to, uh, you know, bring the visuals to life? And we would do it. But as we've grown, you know, Molly, as you, you've been involved, like, for so long, we've started to see more and more of a request to say, hey, what do you think of my story? And uh, at first, we were like, yeah. we are in no place to tell you anything about your story because we're never going to know the subject matter as well as you do. But what we found is after you start to see thousands of presentations and different, you know, like sales decks or investor decks, you see some patterns, right? So this whole magical, we're turning seven, you know, we were talking about like, what should we do for our seventh birthday? We did a little Google search and it turns out there's some popularized posts and even a, a really big book outlining the seven basic plots in storytelling. So we're like, holy cow, what if we check out that book or all these different articles out there about seven plots? And it's like, at first you're like, there's got to be more than that, but let's talk about it. I think what we're going to do is come up, we're going to dissect these seven different plots as proposed in that big piece of, of work by, is it Christopher Booker? Um, Christopher Booker. Yeah. So name. I think we're going to take seven episodes to talk about each one because they're kind of fun and it's, uh, we don't want to just like breeze over all of these as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, Molly, what, yeah. uh, what do you think about all the stuff I just said? Yeah, I think, well, basically we're just 
Dear listeners, we are theming our own seventh birthday party here. All the party hats will have seven on it. Everyone will get a different take-home little party bag with one of the various plot points. You get to learn all about it. And I think, yeah, you'll see pictures of, you know, the rags to riches, the Cinderella. We're going to, these, these classic story arcs are going to be plastered all over our party. So this is the birthday party we're throwing for ourselves. And it gives us uh, presentation thinking seven episodes of content to discuss with you. Pretty <laughs> so, exciting. Here we are at basic plot point number one yeah. we're going to talk about. But I think before we do that, we should probably, yeah, back up and yeah, talk about how this book came to be and totally. Yeah. What, what it's, who's it by this guy, Christopher Booker. And yeah, Mikey, had you heard of him before? Or I know you, no, you told me about I've, it. Um, it's funny. I've seen, ago. I've seen this stuff like repurposed. I've seen someone give a talk at another con- at presentation summit about the X number of story arcs or story archetypes out there, you know? Yeah. And, um, and we've done the Nancy Duarte shape of story. Like we, uh-huh. yeah, this, this kind of following, like how to categorize stories has been done for millennia. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. most of the time we just hear about there's the hero's journey or whatever. And you know, the, the Joseph sure. Campbell stuff. Then if you were to dive a little deeper, you'll see, Someone else proposes there's five different types of stories. Someone else says there's 36, you know? So obviously mm-hmm. we're going to take the seven because it, it was convenient for us, but, mm-hmm. but it yeah. should be known that, I mean, come on, if you're, if you're a, a script writer, a storyteller, none of this is concrete. This is someone's evaluation of it, which took him over 30 years to like, to come to these, this decision that there's seven. But if you, if you adhere to this and believe it, like it's pretty interesting then when you start to consider, okay, that book I just read or that movie I just watched or that TV episode. And you start to go back and say, Hmm, like, actually I could see it being the the quest or I could see it being the, the rise and fall or whatever. And so it's, it's kind of mm-hmm. fun. Uh, it's also challenging because there's a few that I was trying to think of that I could see fitting in a few different types. And I think there's a lot of commentary on that around the interwebs, but yeah, Molly, like you did a little bit of research into who this dude is and, and where the book came from. Yeah. And, uh, so I also want to say, yeah, Mikey, you had, you've been sending me stuff about story shapes for like as long as I've known you basically. And another one that I thought was really interesting that I think we should link is that Kurt Vonnegut had written a thesis that was rejected by the University of Chicago. You know, I bet they're ashamed of that now about how all stories follow the same basic shape. So he was mad about that and is quoted to be like, I'm, I'm so offended, but they're like, fucking audacity, blah, blah, blah. And, what he say? He and, said, like, uh, they can take a trip to yeah. the fucking moon or something. Yes, something they can funny. take a trip to the fucking moon. Thanks That's for the bleeps. Well. Incredible. <laughs> yeah. And what a, what a, what a motto to go by. They can take a trip to the fucking moon. And Late, years later, researchers from the University of Vermont uh, did a study and fed over a thousand, almost 2,000 stories into a computer to kind of classify that. And they found that there are six core arcs, right? The kind of rags to riches, man in a hole, fall, rise shape, rise, fall, rise, fall, rise, or fall, rise, fall. And Christopher Booker's seven basic plots, he found there are seven. And so this is a similar thing where, where people name an arc, they name a trope. And they claim that all stories can fall within this category in some way. Um, and maybe there's some a bit of overlap for sure. I, I definitely think there's some fluidity within these. But today we're going to yeah start diving into Christopher Booker's 
seven basic plots, mm-hmm. which apparently, yeah, doing some research on this guy, he was working on this for over 34 years. So this, he was an English journalist. He just died a few years ago, so we can't have him on the cast. But I don't know if we'd want to, because something that was also notable in his work is that he was a climate change denier. So we do want to separate ourselves at presentation <laughs> thinking from Christopher Booker's, uh, you know, story work versus his climate change denying. He has a lot of articles and published a book claiming that climate change would be the most costly scientific disaster of all time. Oh, wow. Like, like, Did he also like deny uh, linking it. smoking to cancer, I believe you said? Yes, correct. I know. Okay. So I was finding some pretty controversial stuff about him. <laughs> and then and then I thought it was funny that this was his life's work, though. He worked on this for 34 years. He must have been really invested in stories. Of course, he was a good writer and he was a journalist. But yeah, to, to kind of receive, to, to see the juxtaposition of those those things was kind of funny. Yeah. So uh, just here at presentation thinking, you know, reduce, reuse, recycle. Yeah. Use your, use, your, use your reusable coffee cup. We believe in climate change. That's right. So Molly, <laughs> um, what are the seven basic plots? Right. Okay. So number one. And then we'll dive into the episode, first one. It, yeah. Well, yeah. The seven basic plots. Okay. Number one is overcoming the monster. And we're going to use some examples that our friends at Ghost Ranch uh, social media department uh, oh, yeah. have have drawn to Disney and Pixar movies. So that just is a quick thing to think about, you know, overcoming the monster. We've got Zootopia, Big Hero 6, Frozen. Come on. I know. I know your daughters love that. Um, number two basic plot point is or plot line is rags to riches. And that is your classic Cinderella, mm. Princess and the Frog Ratatouille can be classified as a rags to riches, literally rat out of the street. Uh, number three is the quest. And that's like a finding Nemo. Someone's after the hero goes on a journey to get the prize, have to figure something out. That's Moana as well. Number four is voyage and return. The hero has to go to a new strange place that seems appealing at first, but then there's threats and they have to escape and return mm-hmm. home. And that's Toy Story, Alice in Wonderland, Wreck-It Ralph. I've actually never seen that, but I've heard it's good. Number five is comedy, and that's that's kind of, this one's kind of wide, I think, where it's mm-hmm. like open to interpretation. A community divided by negativity, which is like yeah, selfishness or lack of self awareness, etc., must come together through love and harmony. And some examples of that might be Encanto, Inside Out. I don't know if you guys saw Don't Look Up. That's not a Disney movie, but maybe that's that something. <laughs> comedy turned tragedy. And the very next one is tragedy, where the main character makes a mistake that causes them to fall from good fortune to despair. We've got the inside out subplot with joy, Monsters University. Anyone can think of a tragedy. Roman Juliet. We got it. We got those. And then number seven, rebirth, which is where the antagonist or villain traps the hero in hell until they are freed by another character's act of love. And that's something like Beauty and the Beast or Tangled. Mm. Um it's important to also remember, like, of course, these aren't literal. Like, it doesn't have to be they're trapped in hell. It's, you know, they're trapped in some kind of way. And, yeah, the story falls within these kind of archetypes. So, today, number one, we're talking about overcoming the monster. Mm-hmm. Ooh, scary. <laughs> da, da, what did, yeah, what did you da, initially da, think about yeah. overcoming the monster? Um, sounds like it's the story. most popular one because it's, like, it's very simple and straightforward, right? Like... There's a gnarly evil in the world. Some hero decides, like, I got to take this on, and they take it on, right? And there's going to be some ups and downs along the way, some pinches and frustrations. Uh, Mm -hmm. Hey, I got in a little over my head. 
or there's going to be an epic training montage, you know, uh, but eventually there's going to be a climax and a great achievement to overcome that monster. So like, we love yeah. this story, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I also think this is such an easy one for a hero to be identified because anyone that puts themselves forward to be like, I'm Harry Potter and I have to kill Voldemort, like, that's automatically like, you're the hero kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so that's like a, you know, there's like a threat to the community that's happening, you know, people, whether it's like a, a way of thinking, maybe it's an actual literal disease or like pollution, whatever it is, like something bad is happening. Moana, even though that's a voyage and return story at its core, has an element of that where, you know, there's a monster that's like poisoning their their area and stuff. Yeah. Their coconuts are going bad and there's no fish and whatever it is. So there is some, there's always an element of something having to, you know, be overcome. Yeah. Um, Jaws, King Kong, mm-hmm. David and Goliath is, it's like an underdog story, but it is uh, overcoming the monster is, is overcoming the monster. Is there a separate underdog story or is that, is that generally where this one might fall? Cause I think I saw David and Goliath <laughs> a good referenced question. Jack and the Beanstalk as well. And then Star Wars mm-hmm. gets yeah. plugged in. And if you, if you Google, uh, overcoming the monster plot line. For sure. Yeah. And again, this is, I also think there's so much overlap between these that I'd be yeah. curious to know what Christopher Booker's thoughts on that are and other, other people like, whereas Kurt Von, Vonnegut was saying that like all stories follow the same shape where there is a lot of overlap here where yeah, Star Wars can be an overcoming the monster, but it's also like, he also qu- goes on a quest to, you know, like locate the thing that's far away. And there's so much, you see these arcs like appear again and again. Yeah. And when Christopher gets a little bit further into these breakdowns of the seven basic plot points, there is a pattern that each of them follow, which we can go through as well. And the first, I, I had copied it right in here. Mike. Oh, yeah. It's a, uh, yeah, this first one is anticipation in which the initial setting is established and you're introduced to your characters and, but there's somehow some kind of unfulfillment both with the hero and the main characters themselves and the environment around them is unfulfilled. There's something that's missing or there's something going wrong or something to be filled. And then there's a dream in which the hero embarks on the road toward a possible resolution. You're like given this kind of sense of hope where you're like, okay, well, there's an option. We got to find some new solutions here. And that's where, yeah, Moana decides to leave or, you know, people are ready to make a change. I don't know. Stranger Things, I'm thinking of overcoming the monster. I, I, I do too. The newest season yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. Where I'm like, okay, people are recognizing that something strange is happening, <laughs> but, you know, we embark on this journey to figure out like how to lo- like locate mm-hmm. the mind flare, et cetera, et cetera. And then of course we're met with frustration because like, what's a story that we care about without the challenges and stuff where their hero has limitations. Uh, there's other obstacles. The strengths of the forces against him become more obvious and it makes it harder and harder to achieve the resolution. When I was in a screenwriting class, something yeah. my teacher told us over and over and over again was always, she said, your character wants something really badly. Your main character wants something really badly and is having a hard time getting it. And you have to make it hard for them. Like, even if it's sad for you and it's sad for the yeah. like person watching and consuming, like that's the only way someone is going to continue watching a story is because that anticipation and the frustration you want to get to the resolution yes. and see what happens. Aaron Sorkin's famous for always demanding like intention and obstacle. Like you have, you can't exactly what your screenwriting teacher just said. Mm-hmm. Um, if yeah. you want something, you just give what's in the way of them getting it. Yep, exactly. And then we of course want the solution, but before we get there, there's the fourth element of the seven basic plot points, which is the nightmare 
scenario in which the final ordeal takes place, the final fight to boss level in a video game, and that determines the resolution, whether or not it's going to be a tragedy or, uh, you know, a kind of a a happy ending. Um, And that leads us to the miraculous escape, redemption, achievement Uh of the prize, um, or in the case of tragedy, the hero's destruction. Yeah. So, yeah, there's various terms for that stage depending on the plot, but in all cases, the stage is some kind of resolution in denouement. I was trying to think of a movie, yeah, within those steps. I think, like, Wonder Woman. Did you see the original one by chance? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. My daughters, we can't see it yet, <laughs> but they're super into the idea of Wonder Woman, or mm-hmm. as my four year old calls it, Wumba Woman. But like there, there's, I let her, I let him watch the first part of number two where Diana, the little girl is like training and she wins the triathlon thing. Yes. Yes. And then we had to stop. But Wonder right, Woman, sure. the, the first one I was trying to think of like, yeah, I think it's a overcoming the monster, Ares, the God of war, you know, the evil. Um, so I think there is that in the anticipation, they learn about the monster from afar, especially when that pilot comes into their world and you know, her, her Amigas get shot up on the beach. They're like, whoa. And then there's the dream stage. I think that one actually came first when she was training and kind of like already knew there was something out there. And But who knows? I, I'm just trying to plug these in and learn along the way. And then the frustration stage might be like when they actually, she gets over there and sees how bad the war really is on these people and, and that there's this, the evil is even greater than she imagined. They're using like poison gas mm-hmm. and all this stuff on innocent people. And so then it, it, it builds up. That one has like some false summits. Sorry for spoiler alerts, but like you think she, you know, she, you think she wipes out the God of War. Turns out it wasn't him. <laughs> has to do it again. Um, anyway, epic climax mm-hmm. all works out, except, you know, I think someone dies <laughs> who's close to her. But mm-hmm. I think that's an overcoming the story. What, overcoming the monster. Molly, would you agree for Wonder Woman or just about any superhero movie? Absolutely. Yeah. That's such a good example. And now that you brought up superheroes, I think it's important to note, and this is something that he says in the first chapter of which I've read um, the Spark Notes. And he says that, yeah, for superheroes in particular, you can create so many monsters, right? So, like, I'm thinking of Stranger Things and su- most superhero movies, like, the guy, the your monster doesn't always fully die or there's another version of him. There's someone that, like, is a copycat monster and wants to do the same th- kind of things. And so that's what creates these series and these like whole worlds in which like you know especially when there's multiple superheroes coming together to fight the common monster like that bu- that just builds more and more epicness right and i think superheroes are like the pinnacle example of overcoming the monster where it's like the avengers and the um uh dc force yeah, universe not a, i don't think you know, justice Marvel league or something versus, uh, dc yeah i'm not Okay. Yeah, I'm not super. Yeah, yeah. Justice League. Thank you. I'm not super versed in right. that, but I know like there's a reason there's a cult following there, right? And they're like, okay, well, yeah, this is the ultimate, ultimate. And like the collaborations of some of those movies and those characters were such a big deal because not only had these individual characters overcome their their monster within their own little world, the Hulk, um, yeah. whatever, Red Ivy, all these things. <laughs> and then, then there's one where they come together and have to overcome the big one. So it's like Voldemort dividing himself into Horcruxes and he has to like overcome various little, you totally. know, various pieces Just of like it before that. you can get to the big boss. I can't believe you said his name. Sorry. The Death Eaters <laughs> are out there. Out. Um, uh, <laughs> you know, so I was trying to think of also like, would you think like Zelensky Putin right now is is kind of, you know, everyone's kind of rooting for for them to overcome this, this evil? I don't know, man. Yeah. 
Like other modern day, yeah. Yeah, I know. I mean, Mm -hmm. war in a literal sense. Yeah, I know. And we were, I was trying to think of some modern day examples as well. And obviously something that uh, Asha and um, Tamara had thrown out our social media folks at Ghost Ranch and designers. And that was global warming, which is ironic (laughs) considering the research I found into Christopher Mm -hmm. Booker. But yeah, this kind of like monster we all have to overcome. These like forces working against us. Yeah, certainly Putin is a bit of a monster in the like sense of yeah. real life. And of course, war yeah. brings it to a real sense as well in a very literal way, which um, is kind of spooky. A monster could be like addiction. It could be the the opioid, opioid crisis, you know, and like when you try to think about, you know, what's the point of us talking about these story structures? It is to hopefully give us some templates and ideas and frameworks to be able to fill in to tell more meaningful stories in our day to day, whether you're a teacher, politician, a business leader, sometimes these frameworks they're tried and true, right? Like you don't need to try to come up with a new one because you, you, it's been told that you won't. So embrace them, learn them, you know, get to know the rules so that you can break them. And I do mm-hmm. think this overcoming the monster is so popular because we all know it, and we're looking for those those ups and downs and the turning points because we. We understand it. And and that's why we start to pay attention to them. Yeah. And I was trying to think of some everyday examples, like for us here at Presentation Thinking, uh, linking it with presentation design and storytelling. I was like, what's a monster within our world, Mikey? And I'm curious to know your thoughts on this, but I immediately thought of all the rancheros complaining about Google Slides and all these barriers that come up against, you know, just a just a really adept designer trying to work within the limitations of a platform that wasn't fully a design platform, right? Mm -hmm. And then I was also thinking of death by PowerPoint as the monster that we're all trying to overcome here at Presentation Thinking, Mm -hmm. over-templating decks, like, you know, getting stuck within doing the same thing over and over again, how to make it new, but also follow a really... Um, yeah, as you said, tried and true format that works for pitches, that works for your presentations, keeps your audience engaged, brings in new leads, whatever it is you need to do. And I think those are some of the monsters within presentation thinking. I think you're right. We talk about Frankenpres, you know, it's that like that gnarly corporate template or that just the deck of everything that floats around an organization and people are stuffing it with like random slides that they had from their old job or their Google imaging stuff. Everyone's just like, taking it and putting their own spin on it. I think it's one of those evils when, when mm-hmm. there's a lack of a dedicated presentation design specialist, <laughs> there's this evil that can happen, mm-hmm. which is like misalignment at an organization when every salesperson has to create their own slides and marketing's creating stuff, but sales isn't using them because they're not coming in time. Everything looks different. Everything has a different message. I'd say that's an evil that we are trying to help overcome And, um, yeah, I mean, it starts with like training. I think like if there was a dream phase, you know, a a product marketer might say, Hey, like, dang it, we can do better than this. I know it. But then they might get frustrated when they say, crap, Mm -hmm. I'm not a visual storyteller. I'm not a graphic designer. Like I don't illustrate stuff. So they might be bumping into, to the problems themselves, frustration, realizing the evil is actually really hard to control because it's nonstop. Salespeople have to go use stuff every day, every meeting, they're going to maybe make some rogue stuff. So it's a monster that kind of keeps self-proliferating unless you get ahead of it. And, you know, we've got to have some epic battle where we, we pause, we help them realign their story and yeah. And then, and then, um, redistribute it and train everybody to use the same thing. 
that's uh that's maybe mm-hmm. one one yeah. monster story we could <laughs> we could embrace. Yeah, I'm already picturing. I forgot about your Franken Prez. I know that we have a cool illustration of that from a years, a couple of years back, and yeah. I want that to be the podcast it's, art for this ugly. overcoming the monster <laughs> episode. And I'm wondering, looking back to these five steps of five sub steps within each seven basic plot point, right? Where it's like, okay, we're in Act One, and there, the anticipation and the threat of the monster becomes known. We all know about death by PowerPoint. We're aware of it. Whether or not we cho- how much we choose to fight it is is there. But then Act Two, or like leading into Act Two, is this this moment called the call, where you know the hero is called upon to confront the monster. And I feel like you know. If we're making ourselves the hero, Mikey, us crusading into it, you know, we're trying to, we're calling upon ourselves to create this better world where, yeah, where we can reach the next step, which is the dream state where like sense of hope, where there's like other options out there. Mm -hmm. And we're also faced with a lot of frustrations of, you know, whether it's limitations with platforms and technology, limitations with budget, limitations with just mindsets of people not being willing to open up to new perspectives for presentations and storytelling and like trying to update something that just has gone stale, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Those for, I think we're perpetually kind of in those in between the pinballing between those points. It's so fun. Like yeah. I'm, I'm excited <laughs> to keep talking about the, the, the next few as well. I think Next week, we're going to talk about rags to riches, right, Molly? Mm-hmm. And, and it's cool to, I have the book on the way, by the way, and we need to dive deeper into the, <laughs> I need to dive deeper into the cliff notes. But yeah, mm-hmm. I think this is one that's going to live on our desk and, you know, be able to just flip through every once in a while and, and remember like those five plot points. I like it. I like that framework of the anticipation, dream, frustration, nightmare, miraculous escape or achievement. It's kind of cool that each of them, you know, mm-hmm. as the way Booker put it, like revolves and, and has that in common. So interesting stuff. And yeah, it's going to be fun to, to like, to get through each of them. Yeah. Again, overcoming the monster, rags to riches, quest, voyage and return, comedy, tragedy, and rebirth. Those are the seven that we'll be mm-hmm. continuing on with. Mm-hmm. I would argue that anyone creating a deck or presentation as we hopefully you know, we talk about this all the time, but finding your audience. And I think it would be a useful exercise to try and align whatever it is, whatever purpose you're creating for your presentation with one of these plot points, right? To situate yourself as the hero and be like, okay, is this the underdog story that we're kind of like doing this comeback thing? Is it a, yeah, like I think something like that could be considered like maybe that's a rebranded story. Maybe that's a rebranding deck. Maybe the overcoming monster is like, yeah, there's a huge problem at work that you're trying to solve and you've put together a solution to present to your colleagues or something. You know, I think there's a lot of aligning something in that way could be really helpful and then helping you create this flow. Like if you're struggling with your story flow, I think this is a really great way to take a look at some options where you can most align and that could help create your deck, you know? Just think of your favorite Disney superhero Pixar movie and figure out which one you most align with for whatever it is you're putting together. That was epic. I love everything you just said. I think we need to create some assets on the site for this series. And no, no, Flores, shout out at Best Illustrator for presentation thinking. I think we should create some of these frameworks that like maybe there's some templates that we could create for mm-hmm. each of the each of the seven. And uh, some yeah helpful tips, some some freebies on the site. Presentationthinking.com. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It could be like a quiz, like a BuzzFeed quiz, you know, which, which of the seven basic plot points are you and, or, you know, and it doesn't have to be you. It's your problem, your Love deck, it. your project. Yeah. Your current story. 
So I think that's, I, you know, we're talking about like Pixar and superheroes, but we're also talking about you. And you know what? Variety is the spice of life. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And speaking of spice, I felt where you were going. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Punch in the air. Into the spice cabinet we go. What is, well, I don't know if we want to talk about Christopher Booker's walkout song. Well, if we're just talking about good overcoming the monster walkout songs, like let's say that's the, that's your gist, that's your story. You're about to walk up on some, some Ted talk. Mm-hmm, I think there's mm-hmm. three obvious ones to go. Some people, and then a fourth that I think is also low hanging fruit, more of a hype track. So who monster mash, he did the monster mash, jaws theme. I think I know a lot of people who yes. weirdly love to walk out to the Imperial March. You know, the Darth Vader. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> Can't wait for that sample. I would love to add to this one because I was a huge, am a huge Lord of the Rings fan. And the the song that plays when he's like close to the gates of um, Mordor or whatever, that like really stressful high organ thing that's like ding. You know, that's a that would build some serious mm-hmm. epic drama if someone's walking out to that and be like, all right, we have a problem to solve. And it's something like super simple where it's like, you know, the water cooler's broken at the office, you guys. <laughs> Molly, I think we should have walk out music and then like intermission music. I think for each act of your presentation, mm-hmm. event people, event production people, I think we need to have more of these moments of music. <laughs> Because that would be sweet, like right before you get into that, into the climax of your presentation. Mm-hmm. And then like a hype track, like uh, Foo Fighters, There Goes My Hero. I get it. It's kind of it's kind of cliche, but listen to that and don't get hyped up. You know, that's a... <laughs> Enrique Iglesias. Oh, okay, hero. okay, yeah. That's a one of those. Right? <laughs> yeah, okay. A 2000s classic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and obviously we'll link in the show notes here. Christopher Booker's seven basic plot notes, uh, plot points. Uh, we'll link both the book and the handy yeah. dandy Spark Notes stuff we've been talking about. But our amazing social fo- uh, helpers at Ghost Ranch are posting some fire content. So we also want to plug Ghost Ranch Communications mm-hmm. Instagram, which is Ghost Ranch PPT on Instagram, and they have really just take it upon mm-hmm. themselves. When I say social media people, they're amazing designers first totally. and foremost, and have just raised their hand to do this extra fun work. And we were inspired by them doing this, taking this on. And that's the whole reason we're here. So please go check out and engage with some posts over at Ghost Ranch PPT. And while you're out on Instagram, follow us, Presentation Thinking. You can leave reviews on iTunes, Spotify, wherever it is you are listening and reviews help us get more listeners, etc. The numbers are going up, which we're excited to share, but we, you know, reviews are always welcome. Even if you just think we're weird, you know, we look good, bad, medium reviews, non-relevant reviews. <laughs> what did you eat for dinner last night? Let us know. <laughs> oh my gosh. I want to plug Molly's new basement too. It's it's pretty <laughs> sweet. She says the upstairs is, is really cool, but <laughs> my favorite, I hope I never see it because there's a spigot like shooting off of her yeah. left shoulder. There's, there's beams exposed. It looks like a, the scrappy startup podcast that this oh really is God. right now. It's embodied by your basement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just moved and it's pure chaos. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm working in the basement and it looks 
I pretty much picked the yeah. worst Zoom background in the house I could, and everyone is, uh, at work is loving it. <laughs> Actually, Molly, will you step aside for a second? I'm, I'm going to make that my background. Yeah, do a little <laughs> screenshot. Oh, All right, get everybody. out of here. No. Hey, we're going to talk to you <laughs> next time. We're going to talk rags to riches, maybe King Richard. Okay? All right. Presentation thinkers, we love Keep you. Keep on pitching. We're inspired by you. Bye-bye. Good night.